This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome aboard the Adam Ritz Show. I am your host, Adam Ritz. Jay Baker is on the phone with me. Hey, Jay, thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't miss this for the world. Now, you're a fan of the Manning brothers, uh, all four of them. I think there's, uh, besides Peyton and Eli, there's uh, Connor. And maybe, is there a fourth one? Uh, Maybe just the three of them. The dad, Archie. Maybe I'm getting confused because Archie's in there, too. You've got the dad, Archie, and I believe one of the Mannings is college-aged and will be heading to uh, presumably an SEC school not too not too far from now. Is he a quarterback playing at, um, at Texas? Could be. We need to check I, that. You know. I have not kept up with all the Mannings. As you said, they do have a way of breaking containment. But we do know, of course, of Peyton, Eli, uh, who have both been in Super Bowls and have won Super Bowls. And then their dad is one of the coolest old NFL players you know, that you could possibly <laughs> meet because he played for a New Orleans team that absolutely was dreadful. When you see some of the footage of him, he wasn't back to pass. He was back running for his life. Yeah, for our younger audience that remembers the Saints being Super Bowl champions and Drew Brees and all the greatness that uh, the Saints have had in the last 20 years. Uh, when I was a kid and when Archie played, they called them the Aints. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I remember. In fact, they perfected, remember, the fan base would sometimes wear grocery bags over their heads with eye holes that, cut in them. Yeah, they, yeah. Did, they were the anonymous fan. They didn't want to be seen. They were embarrassed to be fans of the of the Saints. They called them the Aints. Uh, anyway, oh we've always um, heralded the, uh, the Manning brothers for their charitable donations and their community service. And Eli Manning has done it once again. He's been working with an organization um, called Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And they work and train with service animals to be seeing eye dogs for uh, the needy, the blind people. And he just, um, I guess, emceed uh, and was the grand marshal for the very first ever guide dog draft. So they had sort of a mock mock NFL draft where they drafted a, uh, a dog and presented this dog named 10. The, the dog's name is 10. And you, you remember Eli's Number was ten, and I. Uh, That's right. Archie's number was ten as well. So what? What happened to Peyton? Why did he go eighteen? What a well, wild man! I think I've <laughs> I think I have seen some pictures of him playing in number ten at least at one point during his college career. Uh, he was the black sheep of the family, going with number I eighteen. Know. I guess he added that eight later. Yep. So Eli uh, presented this dog named Ten to the organization as their number one draft pick. Um, he's been supporting this organization, Guiding Eyes for the Blind, for a, a long time. Uh, he got involved with the organization nearly 20 years ago, uh, and since then he has helped them raise over $300,000 for the cause. And over the past year, Guiding Eyes for the Blind has trained 150 dogs that have been paired with new owners. And I think that's uh, amazing. The, the money is amazing, three hundred grand. But if you were going to ask me, 
You know, how long did it take them, this organization, with that money to train 150 dogs to help blind owners? I would have guessed it would have taken a lot more than one year to do that. So I I think it's just amazing what they're doing. We'll put a link on our website, adamritzshow.com, to this organization and what they're doing. And again, uh, congratulations to Eli Manning and everybody at Guiding Eyes for the Blind for all the great work they're doing. Well, that is so cool, and you are correct. When somebody can directly affect those that need it, you have to just look at that and go, that is just so good, so good for them. I'm sure Peyton's upset the dog's name wasn't 18, but there's always next year. You know, They'll have (laughs) the second annual guide dog draft. That's right. They'll have a draft every year. (laughs) Well, speaking of draft, how about this for overdraft? Yeah, you know, you always hear things all the time that uh, uh, your government wants to help you out. And you think, yeah, sure, because, you know, we've said government can be very polarizing. But one thing that government's been looking into in the last year have been the so-called junk fees. And you and I know that we expect additional fees here and there. If you open up any utility bill, you see all kinds of municipal surcharges. We certainly know that if you have any kind of overdraft or late bill, they'll add fees. But Mm -hmm. in the past 20 years, Americans have paid almost $300 billion in overdraft fees <laughs> that's just the overdraft fee so that's just dealing with your bank and everybody i mean we've always talked about this i think most people operate their lives under fairly good faith so i'm not saying that every overdraft guy is you know the the patron saint of financial whatever but that's a lot of money for americans over the past 20 years that's a ton of money and that's just you're saying when uh when my checking account is uh lower than the check i just wrote and they and they slap on an overdraft fee that's the 300 billion in charges we're getting Yep. In fact, uh, that included $9 billion just last year. So the fact that Adam is bad at math, should we slap him with some usury fees? I think not, America. I, I, don't, so, I don't think so either. No, the average overdraft fee comes in at right around $35. But that could be about to change a proposed rule from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau who knew there was such an operation Thank God. could drop. Yes, they're there and they're doing something for us. It could drop overdraft fees to as low as $3 each. So once again, you would be penalized, but something more in line with what you can afford. That would, uh, th- that would be so much more uh, acceptable to look at your, your bank account and instead of being down 35 bucks it's only down three bucks and that's still enough to make you go damn it i should have got my payment in earlier well and i think too that the bank needs to cover themselves however the consumer bankers association has criticized the proposed rule change saying that it costs banks uh, that the cost of banks have not been properly considered so part of what they're saying is that 35 or so dollars for the average overdraft fee 
that the bank needs that, Adam. I, I'm not buying that the bank needs it. I understand no. there might be a middle ground here, but $35 versus three, come on. Now, who's proposing this? What kind of bank association is this? The, the bank association that doesn't like it is the Consumer Bankers Association. But they're up against the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which to me sounds like a Ben Affleck film, but it also <laughs> sounds very serious. Where they're all wearing uh, $1,000 suits with suspenders. Those yes, yuppies, absolutely. they're out to get us. Yeah, and it takes plus place in Boston. But uh, yeah, so they're working on that. That could go into effect by October of next year. So doesn't mean go crazy October of next year, but keep your eyes open. That is on the horizon. So some help is on the way because I think some of those, uh, I think quite frankly, a majority of them are people making an honest mistake. I really do feel that way. And this could go into effect October of 2025. 20 would it were at 2024 yes 2025 yes we'll be older then and wiser and they'll get another 300 billion dollars in overdraft fee oh no that's over the last 20 years not the last <laughs> yeah. year okay yeah just about nine billion in a given year so okay. i think when you see nine billion you're going i think the banks are doing just They're, fine yeah they, they'll get another nine billion out of us before they change that rule this is a great story and very eye-opening. This doesn't affect everybody, but this does affect uh, the part of the workforce that said, and you and I, Adam, we were surprised at the radio station when people could suddenly start working remotely and there was no reason for them not to. There were two or three employees that immediately said, hey, I've always wanted to live in this part of the world and they moved immediately remember that <laughs> yeah yeah and you know and i say good for them lots of people are still working remotely that is a true fact but some of these folks are getting a thing called a double whammy they're being nailed for state taxes in both their employer state and their current state of residence that is, to say the least, a double whammy. Yeah. Individuals can be taxed based on both where they live and where they earn income. Uh, you and I live in a part of the world where they really want to know what county you live in, and they really want to know what county you work in, because while it's not major, there are some tax implications just for making money uh, in another part of the current state we live in. Well, what's the Consumer Bankers Association going to do about this one? <laughs> well, I think Ben Affleck needs to make a movie about this immediately, if not sooner. <laughs> uh, so as of 2024, all but nine states impose a tax on income. So the good news is this doesn't affect I would say a lot of people, but some people and something that you need to uh, take into effect. Uh, what happens is in many cases, you work in one state, live in another, you will typically receive a tax credit to eliminate the double taxation of their income. But there are five states, uh, shockingly, kind of East Coast states 
uh, that even if the person does not physically work in the state, they can get taxed. Those individuals may be denied a tax credit in their home state, meaning they may be forced to pay income taxes in two different states. It's certainly uh, something to think about if you are uh, on the move and taking advantage of this new remote work environment we have. Uh, Find out the state you want to move to compared to the state where your job is in, because that double whammy tax situation, that does not sound like something I want to do. It doesn't sound good. I mean, you know how that goes. But at any rate, if you're considering a move, do check with your tax planner. And they said that uh, this will become a bigger issue as our workforce continues to decentralize and then people will continue to seek out low tax states to reside in. You and I know famously there's a handful of states that have no state income tax. Mm -hmm. And even though we don't pay an exorbitant amount of state income tax where we live, you do kind of say to yourself, it might be nice to hold on to that and not have to pay any state tax. And once you move to your new state, it is easier to find a job in that state while you live there. Uh, It's easier to interview for jobs in that state with your current employer in a different state. (laughs) Yes. There you go. You you could even be on a Zoom meeting with your boss (laughs) while you're at an interview with another company in the state you live in. We always say make careful track and always turn your mic off, but that's up to you. (laughs) What your mileage may vary. Yes, it can happen. But yeah, something to think about as we all move around. Now, I don't have the energy to move around and try and work in multiple states. So my state is confusion. And I have zero idea, zero idea how I'm taxed. I just allow people that know far more than I take care of such matters. This is a great one. Here's a guitar player I know you love. Brian May of Queen Mm. and Peter Frampton have both donated signed guitars for a charity auction to raise money for the Adaptive Sports Foundation. No kidding. Now the yeah the the auction for both guitars end January 30th. So you may be able to get in just under the wire as you hear this. If it's already passed, our apologies. But there's a couple of very cool guys that we love, and they are taking uh, a little bit of their uh, personal panache and turning it into the chance for someone to own a cool guitar. And the Adaptive Sports Foundation makes uh, makes some money. And I don't want to steal your thunder here. Uh, can you explain um, what adaptive sports are for our listeners you, that are just hearing that term for the first time? You're in luck, my friend, because I actually went to their website. <laughs> Since 1984, the Adaptive Sports Foundation has been providing sports and recreation opportunities to thousands of children and adults with both cognitive and physical disability. So they are attempting to put sports equipment into the hands of those that uh, may not be as uh, well-abled as some other athletes. And from what I've learned about adaptive sports, it's not just your traditional uh, Olympic sports or the events you would uh, witness at a Special Olympics. Uh, They're even doing horseback riding uh, as part of adaptive sports. So 
great great job for Brian May from Queen, Peter Frampton donating guitars to raise money for adaptive sports so everybody can have a chance to have some fun. And like you said, you know, uh, the, this little sub uh, sub note, footnote to this story is that somebody got a couple pretty cool guitars out of this. And that's something you and I talk about all the time, is how can you take a passion you have or something you like to do and use it to raise money, funds, or awareness for good causes? And if you're a guitar guy and you want to have, you know, the guy from Queen, you want his guitar hanging on the wall in your office, uh, instead of uh, just Googling it and going to eBay and buying one, Keep your eyes open. You may find a charity event that is really benefiting a great cause that has a, an item that would look good on your office wall. Everybody wins in that situation. No, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I think it's great that these rock and roll stars actually are taking a little time, effort, and energy to put money in the hands of those that could really use it. So that is uh, th- that is a definite thumbs up. And who doesn't want a Brian May guitar? I, I'm telling Ooh. you, I I would love to have uh, either one of those guitars. But yeah, Brian May. You think there's a, a a strand of his hair like in the in the strings <laughs> in the fret? How can there not be with that mop he's had for the last sixty years? There's got to be that, like I said, that one strand of hair yeah. that's unaccounted for. And you know what? On the converse of that, there's there isn't any hair in Peter Frampton's guitar. Not now. There was in the seventies, but not now. <laughs> it's funny you said that. There was actually a great Brian May story. I couldn't get to it during one of our shows, but just quickly, there is a british scientist who was also named brian may and you and i know that certain names are you know they're more common than you might imagine that's fairly common but but the the brian may the college professor just wrote a book uh, about a month ago and then guitarist brian may wakes up reads this long article about quote a book about astrophysics in the guardian (laughs) by brian may and he gets a hold of his manager and says what is going on i didn't give this interview i didn't give these quotes i didn't write a book and his manager said slow down it's another brian may it's a very positive book in you know academic curriculum circles you don't have to you know there's no controversy associated with this just enjoy that the other brian may is as smart as you are yeah, and maybe you should have changed your name to a yeah. stage name back in uh, 1975. <laughs> Brian May yeah, is, is pretty yeah, common. There's there's probably yeah, some other books out there or, or some other items out there by a Brian May that aren't as uh, you know high quality as a book by an astrophysicist uh, professor. Which, by the way, the, <laughs> Brian May, the guitarist, is an astrophysicist. Yes, absolutely. That's what they were kind of getting at. That's why he got upset because he was because the book was scientific yeah, in nature, and he I'm, was like, "Hey, wait a minute!" I'm sure he thought somebody was just ripping him off to try to make a, a quick buck on uh, Amazon yeah. or where books are sold. And lo and behold, who would have thought? There, I wonder if that guy, if that professor, can play anything on a guitar. <laughs> if he has any skill at all, he has to learn how to play <laughs> at least one Queen song. Well, and you know they they may have a, a band of teachers from that college, and they'll they can honestly say we've got Brian May. Can you imagine if even he, if he only plays tambourine, they've got Brian May? 
Can you imagine if the dean of students is Peter Frampton? <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, you and I know that most people think that, you know, being a celebrity, you're living the life of Riley. You know, you just go through life seamlessly, painlessly. Well, here's an interesting story because at first blush, you're thinking, well, this is odd. This is a sounds like a celebrity throwing his weight around. Arnold Schwarzenegger was detained at a German airport, and they are blaming a luxury watch. I was going to guess he didn't get through the metal detector, did he? Because he's the Terminator. The Terminator was, uh, he had a fairly nice wristwatch on. He was detained at the airport. Uh, TMZ reports that the actor and former governor of California was stopped after trying to take, quote, an unregistered luxury watch through customs. (laughs) Now, sources told TMZ Schwarzenegger was detained for three hours. So so it wasn't like, you know, this wasn't just like, hey, 10-minute holdup. He agreed to prepay potential taxes on the watch, but a credit card machine failed and an ATM machine uh, didn't have enough cash to actually provide the amount of money that authorities needed. Now, if you think to yourself, well, this is just Arnold showing off and he's walking around, you know, he's the Terminator, he's got this great watch. He was going to take it to an auction. They're going to auction the watch off in Austria to benefit his nonprofit organization that supports clean energy efforts. And that didn't help his story at all while he was detained. That he's like, come on, guys. You know what I'm doing story. here? Well, you know, we, we always talk about customs. They kind of don't play around. They don't have a sense of humor at all. No. They do not. In fact, uh, I used to chuckle just a little bit. Uh, I got to travel pretty extensively for a while. And sometimes you'd come through customs and they'd ask you about the oddest things. And this was prior to this becoming a huge issue where you would get certain invasive species. But I remember clearly going through customs after spending some time in like Costa Rica and a couple of places where, you know, there's uh, kind of this, uh, you know, no, no rules here, Monsignor kind of place. And you come back through customs and they look at you and they go, do you have any fruits or vegetables? Mm-hmm. And you would think, well, I just was in a place where, you know, they practically had heroin on the beach and you're asking me about fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And the guy goes, yeah, man, he goes, we're getting bugs. <laughs> so you go, I did not know that. So did, hey, did the Terminator get to, you know, auction off his watch? Yes, he finally was okay. able to after the three-hour delay. You know how you know how the Terminator is. He was all, you know, he's all charismatic and such, and he smiled at everybody. And you know, they finally let him take the watch through. Okay. I'm sure he had to pay a little money and you know uh, promise some stuff. He probably had to pose for a bunch of selfies. That was his uh, penance. His uh, his his uh, yeah. His uh, what his sentence was to pose with pictures and selfies with the TSA in Germany. Yeah, not so fast there, Austrian boy. Come over here and pose for some selfies. Uh, here's a, another. Uh, this is you know we find these stories to provide a public service to others, 
when a product says use as directed, you, you probably should take that advice to uh, heed because a man blew up his apartment trying to kill a roach. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't use his product as directed, did he? He did not use it as directed. The man, a resident of an unspecified Japanese city, apparently, and, I, and this is this came from a legitimate news source, so I know they weren't just trying to get clicks. But yeah, this gentleman saw a solitary cockroach as an apartment and started spraying an incredible, massive amount of insecticide everywhere. About a minute later, the man's heating table ignited <laughs> the flammable chemicals, blowing out his windows, caused some minor injuries and an extensive amount of property damage. And the roach lived. You got to figure. You, you and I figure. know, we know all those stories that the roach probably did make it. Okay, so that is a great point, Jay. Great advice. Any sort of insecticide, pesticide, chemical, something you're going to use in your garage, something in your tool shed, read the directions, use as directed. You do not want to blow up. No, you do not want to blow things up. And we're, we'll finish on this spectacular high note. This is actually a great story. It took 120 years uh, but a l overdue library book called The Cruise of the Esmeralda has made it back to the shelves of the Carbondale Public Library in Pennsylvania. Oh, that, that's how, how long was that out? 120 years. <laughs> the book was originally signed out in 1904. <laughs> My goodness. It went missing shortly after that, Adam, and eventually turned up in a stack of books donated to a book sale for a different library in the state. Now, they did the math on what the um, the late fee was on that? They did. If late fees had been tabulated since the book was checked out, the book's return would come to a fine of $870. Well, that's not bad. That's not too bad. Now, adjusted, that would have been $10,000 if you use today's 25-cent late charge. That's not, yeah, that's not, I I honestly thought you were going to, when you said 870 <laughs> I thought you were going to say $870,000. <laughs> yeah, because you know. Adjusted for inflation, I, mean, I didn't know. The thing's been gone for 120 years. years. I, I mean, I, th I would assume if in a public library today you checked out a book and didn't return it for a year, the the late fee would be at least 100 bucks. You would think. Yeah. So, uh, and, and part of it, this seems a little dark, uh, but uh, <laughs> the, the concern about fines and how much they relate to today, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they said that since the person who checked the book out is over a century, well, you know, since it's 120 years and the guy was old enough to check out the book, he has been long since deceased. So, I mean, once again, I don't mean to laugh and talk about how dark it is at the same time, but this poor gentleman is no longer with us. Well, that's not too dark. I mean, no one would expect that guy to be uh, still alive today, 120 years later. Let's assume he checked out the book when he was 20. That would I don't think anybody's 140 years old right now, so no. you're not that dark, Jay. I don't think so. And 
Uh, I wonder if on his deathbed in in 1962, if he was thinking, I wonder if they're ever going to find that book. <laughs> you got to wonder. Uh, now, you'll appreciate this. The Carbondale Public Library has a $10 cap on late charges. In fact, uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, many uh, municipal libraries now either have caps on late charges or uh, – our community not too long ago actually voted to be fine free. Now that is uh, super good news. And I, I think I just admitted to our audience that I haven't checked out a book in a public library in forever since I thought the late fee would be a hundred dollars over the course of a year. If that's capped <laughs> out at 10 bucks, does that mean, do you have to pay for the price of the book and then the $10 late fee? Uh, you know, it doesn't really go into that, but you know, you know, Adam, you're not, a very good steward of your library book if you would then go out and lose said book well, and then get the late fee. I mean, you are talking about, as we like to say, the double whammy. Well, I think you're going to have some people that are going to skirt the system and they're going to check out a book that's worth $30 because they don't right. want to buy it. And then they'll just say, hey, you know what? I'll just pay the capped late fee of 10 bucks and I'll save 20 bucks. Yeah, but see, this is Adam, not the kind of public. To... I, 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 I just, I just realized what I did. I gave the worst public service announcement ever. I just told people how to steal a book. I just tuned in for public affairs, and now I'm gigging the library. I'm, I'm running an operation out here. All I'm right. running a used bookstore. No. All right, I, we'll do better next week, Jay. I, I appreciate your time. Thanks for your stories, and for our listeners, uh, we can't do it without you. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out our website, AdamRitzShow.com. On Twitter or X, I am at Adam Ritz. On Instagram, it is at Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics audio out-of-home marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.